it's here. With all the speed, realism, and 3D graphics of the arcade game, all it took was a quantum leap in processing speed. Race from four perspectives on three different racetracks. So much competition, so little time in virtual racing from Sega. Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Welcome to another episode of Arcade Attack. I'm your host for today, Rob, and with me is Dylan. Dylanio. Oh, yeah. And Adrian. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I got a bit, I got a bit excited because we haven't done this for a little while. Yeah, uh, well, since last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, since last week. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm going to start, I'm going to open up today's with a question. Um, now, obviously, you two already know what we're doing, and 95% of the people listening will know what this episode is about, judging by the title, but <laughs> I'm going to ask this question anyway. What is the game that has most blown you away when you first saw it? Ever. What, blew my mind as in, like, what the hell's going on? As in, this is incredible, I've never seen anything like this before. Probably Final Fantasy VII, actually. But are we, are we, inclu- we're not include- are we including arcade games? Yes. Uh... Well, maybe still Final Fantasy VII, actually. What was it about Final Fantasy VII? It was just, like, all the 3D stuff, and it was loads of different things. You weren't just, like, bouncing around on the screen. You were, like, doing other stuff, and it had, like, just an amazing, you know... Oh, God, you want me to talk about Final Fantasy VII now? It had, like, more of a storyline than other games I played, I suppose. It was just, like, it was just four. It was a bit of four. Age? CD gaming as well. Sorry, CD gaming. Well. Um, I could just be boring and say Ocarina of Time, but I might just be a bit of a curveball because I remember going to the arcade once and seeing what, what the heck is this thing? And it was um, Mad Dog McCree. Mad uh, Dog McCree. McCree, nice. sorry. Um, I just found it amazing. It was massive scream. I think it was one of those really big ones they had. And shotguns. And you know, I was like, wow, this is a proper... I think it's the first time I saw FMV as well. I might be mistaken. Yeah, and that FMV quality was really good on that. Like, it's almost cinema quality. Mm. And just, I like the Western theme to it. And I just thought, wow, this, this, this is not like a normal light gun. So, you know, I've seen those before, obviously, but it seems mm. a bit different. Obviously, when you play the game, it's, it's okay, isn't it? It's not amazing, but. It was one of the better ones, I think, that was ported to home con, home, home consoles? Home consoles. Sorry, <laughs> I've lost, forgotten how to talk. I have to say, like, there have been a lot of games over the years that have really impressed me on first sight, but I think only three really blown me away. Street Fighter 2 in the arcade, the first time I came across that, never mm. having heard of it before, and just thinking, whoa, what is this? Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog on the Mega Drive, seeing that for the first time, mm-hmm. just completely different to anything that had come before. But most of all, the game more than anything on first sight was Virtual Racing in the arcade. Boom. Yep. I also wanted to say Virtual Racing, but I didn't want to spoil the surprise for the people who had this on shuffle and didn't realize we were going to talk about Virtual Racing. Yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> yeah. No, Rob, I, I actually agree, because I think I saw it... It had the cars, didn't it? You actually could sit in the cars, and it was one of those arcades where I think you had to pay like a pound or even two pounds. I, don't one, know. I think it was two pound, wasn't it? Two pound ago? And it was uh, like... 
It was a lot of money back then, even if it was a pound, you know? Ooh. I think it was a pound, but uh, maybe two pounds for the deluxe. I mean, we'll get on to the different arcade mm. cabinets later on. But, uh, I mean, for anyone under 30 years of age or so, maybe even 35, I think it's impossible to communicate just how mind-blowing virtual racing was in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, It's not that there'd never been a 3D racing game before in the arcades, but, you know, just seeing those large-scale polygons and the way it moved, that incredible animation with that, like, awesomely crisp sound yeah. moving through these big speakers just made you feel like you were experiencing the future. Yeah. I'm not going to say it, not the P word. We always get it wrong, don't we, Dylan? Or the polygonal, polygonal scrolling. Yeah, see, Rob can say it. <laughs> no, it's parallax scrolling, polygonal graphics. Yeah. Polygonal. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so obviously, we all played it in the arcade. I'm guessing home consoles too. Oh yeah, I'm sure you're going to talk about the Mega Drive port. We're going to get onto that. Yeah. Um, but kind of going back to the beginning, the development of the game. What laid the groundwork for virtual racing? Well, in the early 90s, Sega split its R&D staff into two teams. AM1 did a lot of the more traditional kinds of games in the arcade, as well as sequels, like Golden Axe, Revenge of Death Adder, Outrunners, Alien 3, The Gun. You know, like the kind of more conventional Mm -hmm. kind of games. Uh, AM3 would be formed in 1993 to capitalize on Sega's increasing arcade success, Mm -hmm. uh, much of which would stem from AM2. It was uh, headed by a guy called... But yeah, basically, uh, AM2 was... um, headed by a guy called Yu Suzuki. Yeah, Yu Suzuki, baby. He was a uh, lead programmer for Afterburner. He designed Hang On, Outrun, and Power Drift in the arcade. Mm-hmm. It's pretty uh, Keith isn't here to kind of... Keith uh, really missed the boat on this one. He would have loved this. Rob, uh, if you, so what? You're saying it was originally AM1, and they split into two splinter groups. Yeah, AM3 came after us, but AM2 was really the what AM2 was the group that developed... Uh, Virtua Racing, as well as Virtua Fighter 1 and 2, Daytona USA, Daytona, and Virtua yeah, Cop. I've got a question. Then. If you Imagine that you were working at Sega at the time, and then uh, the head of Sega said, Rob, we're going to make these new groups, AM2 and AM3, oh, AM1 as well. Which group- well, AM1 and 2 came first, then AM3 came later. Okay, but, but AM4 was a bit more... I, there was no way of So Rob, I don't know. if you could join any of those groups and you could have a legacy in any of those three groups and you could say, well, which one would you have joined if you could go back in time? I think definitely AM2 was the killer like kind of group. That was the, the, uh, mm-hmm. like that was the kind of development team that really kind of made Sega into, and obviously they were big in arcades before, really made them into the preeminent mm-hmm. arcade game producer. Uh, but I was going to say Yu Suzuki did all those games. He would leave arcade games. Do you know what, uh, game he would do in 1999 for Sega sequel in 2001 we've talked about it before oh I know it's Crazy Taxi nope you know this wasn't for the arcade this is for the Saturn you Suzuki uh, so I think it was for the Saturn maybe it was for um, no, actually, no it was for the Dreamcast I think Cannon actually Spike <laughs> Keith if you're listening can you just pipe up <laughs> yeah we have covered it Shenmue Shenmue and oh, Shenmue, Shenmue 2 for the, yeah the Dreamcast and uh, anyway, I did um, not. I don't. I forgot that. Oh my god, man! Seriously, I've been talking about games for ages. I mean, since last week. I mean, I don't know. But uh, you know, like, but the first, the actual kind of piece of equipment that made virtual racing possible, and all those other games, was the Model One chipboard. Model One chipboard. Now, which the Model also One also used on. Uh, but well, we'll kind of get onto that. Um, <laughs> I think in a bit. But uh, like basically. No, yeah, yeah, it was actually developed in conjunction with AM2 and kind of designed to create high-level 3D games. 
took three years to build and could display 180,000 polygons on screen at once and 60 frames of animation per second. That's a mother-loving load of polygonal loveliness there. Yeah, huge step forward. But because dedicated 3D processors weren't actually a thing yet, it actually used the same graphics processor as the older 2D chipboard. But uh, Yu Suzuki actually programmed dedicated 3D graphics engine to compress and process the graphics faster. He's a clever man, and he knows how to organize a team, and he's very clever. Yeah, very clever. And I mean, obviously, we kind of talked about how amazing this looked at the time, the whole polygon kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just completely flew in the face of what we thought of as of convention as conventional arcade graphics at the time but obviously it wasn't the first game to use polygons um anyone has it a guess at some Virtual of the Fighter. no some of the really early games that use polygons yeah oh um there's a game on the amiga called hunter i don't know if you remember that game it's a it's almost an open really old school open world game and it's like 3d um, it might, I might be talking rubbish now, but it was, I think, mm. it, I think it used polygons. I was thinking like Star Fox uses polygons on it. I think even earlier, Tempest. Oh, Tempest. In the arcade. The Atari classic, yeah. Tempest. No, you're yeah. right, it did, it did. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say was the, uh, moment that kind of polygonal computer graphics entered the mainstream? Well, after Tempest, you mean, kind of thing. Yeah, in general culture, the mainstream culture. I'm just still wowed at Rob's amazing pronunciation of poly- polygon. <laughs> Can you, uh, well, you, you'll both know this. PS1. No, like. It's an Amiga game. Well. Like, or many, or many platforms. Who said it was a game? What's he on about? Virtual reality. Just die straight video. Money for nothing, yeah? Yeah, And the chicks for free. Yeah. That was a crazy looking video, that was. I don't, I want money. Because it was a polygonal Yeah, it looked amazing at the time. And then, um, I mean, there's a reason why it wasn't really used for many. Uh, videos afterwards it was kind of you ever see that terrible Def Leppard video for Let's Get Rocked no it has the worst CGI graphics ever it actually could be the worst music video ever released is it worse than current Marvel films what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> now Rob I've got a question for you though. who wore the headband better Rambo or Mark Knopfler oh, I'm going to go with Rambo if you had to wear I'm going to a... go with Solid Snake <laughs> I mean, actually I'm going to go with Rhea and Ken from Street Fighter I'm going to go with Aunt Maggie from down the road. I don't know. I'm going to go with Zool. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Have to shoehorn it in every episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, Namco, obviously one of the other big arcade game kind of developers at that time, had done a couple of space-based rail shooters uh, kind of using polygons. One was Galaxy and Cubed. I say Cubed. It had like a little kind of three cubed sign above it. Project Dragoon. In 1990 and Starblade in 1991, but you know, those are both relatively primitive. They'd also tried it to some extent with a racing game called Winning Run in 1988, but it comes across more as a PC looking game, kind of a PC racing game. You, you're both looking at me like you have never heard of any of these games. Like what? I mean, (laughs) our knowledge of other platforms and things is not amazing, is it? Let's be honest. So we mean well. We, we, We we learn as much as the listeners from you, so just, well, just teach us. Well, teach these us, these the were arcade games, and obviously that was what Sega I wasn't in the arcade. Game. I could, I, like I said, like I rinse like ten pounds in like ten minutes, and then I have to leave <laughs> or go window shopping in Croydon because I just couldn't go, couldn't get, have any more arcade action. Uh, chief designer for Virtual Racing was a young programmer called Toshi uh, Hiro Nagoshi. Would go on to create Virtual Corp. You have to give us some clues or something, man. We don't know the name. The next big Sega arcade racing hit. Sega Rally. Between them. Daytona. 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 
Also, uh, Scud Race and Super Monkey Ball. Scud Super Race, Super yeah. Monkey Ball. And Super yeah. Monkey Ball. Oh, I like Super Monkey Ball. It's one of the hardest games ever made, right? Oh, man. I used to just play that game to death on the old... The, it was a GameCube version I played on the Wii. You can rattle through the first kind of 20 levels pretty easy, and then it goes mad. Maybe we'll do... A, I might even do a Monkey Ball level, because it, it was a class game on the GameCube back in the day. Yeah. I think we should design our own Arcade Attack Monkey Ball level <laughs> somehow. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Let's put it on the to-do list. Okay. <laughs> uh, right Rob after just doesn't Rob doesn't like our tangents. He's he's reading it back in. Here you go. Here we right go. Right after the uh, Duke Nukem level, you guys said you were going to do in what was that episode one two? No, yeah, we'll get do a Duke right. Nukem level as well. Seven. We'll do a Duke Nukem <laughs> <laughs> do Nukem a Duke Nukem level with Arcade Attack posters in it and yeah. also Adrian in it. Yeah. Okay, go on. Is uh, Duke Nukem going to say anything Arcade Attack related in this level? Um, I love Zool. Um, like, like when he blows people up, he goes, I love Zool! I don't think he, I don't think that sounds like something you would say. We actually interviewed that, the Duke voice, didn't we? Um, we could get Thingy Bob St. John to do it. John St. John, isn't it? John St. John. We're getting him on board. Yeah. Or isn't it, is it Jonathan St. John? Yeah, one of them. Uh, anyway, Virtual Racing was the lead-off game for, developed for the Model 1. A lot of people believe it actually began life as a demonstration program for, like, a chipboard before being developed into a game, but apparently not the case. Like, a uh, developer said in an interview, it was always planned for the first game. Did it come out before Virtual Fighter, then? Am I talking yeah. about it? Yeah, oh, I think okay. so. It came out in 1992 in the arcades. Virtual Fighter, I think, was a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. No, that, make, that makes sense, yeah. Uh, three courses. Can you remember what they were? The original three? Well, I don't usually eat free courses. You know, starters, yeah, I was going to say starters, main, and dessert. <laughs> uh, there was Big Forest, which was the beginner level. Bay Bridge was the medium, and Acropolis was the expert. Like, uh, just to jog your memory here a little bit, Big Forest is the one with the orange bridge and the theme park in the background. Mm. Bay Bridge is the one with the huge red, like, Golden Gate-like bridge, and uh, the really big cement walls in the tunnel, and a lot of the tracks next to the, excuse me, ocean. Whereas Acropolis is like the mountain track with the houses built into the rock and the yachts in the harbour and that huge hairpin. Did yeah. you guys just play mostly play the beginner one like I did? Yeah. Yeah. I We're not good get, enough. I didn't get to the other ones. I, I told you how bad I am at arcade machines. I'm pretty sure you had the option to choose on the menu, didn't you? I don't know. Hold on. I know something that might help us. You keep talking. Okay. Um, so anyway, like uh, you're watching the demo in the arcade... We're going to actually get into what the game, like, just jogging memory what the game is like. You're watching the demo in the arcade, and you get in, like, the seat, and you've put in a coin, and you see that, that big VR letter on, letters on the screen. Yeah. What's the first thing that strikes you when you get to, onto the, like, select track slash gear screen? Oh, man, my memory, Rob. The sound. That, <laughs> that awesome, clear, echoey speech that would become, like, a trademark of the 90s Sega arcade games. Like, select course by wheel and step on the gas pedal. Oh, yeah, that's true. No, Rob, it's coming back to me now, mate. You're right. Like, for me, kind of the sound is almost as epic as the graphics, kind of just coming out through those big speakers. It's a trademark of those, like, Sega Virtua games. Am I right? I mean, I, no, you're right. I think Virtual Racing was, I wouldn't say ahead of its time, but it just, well, maybe it was actually. It blew my mind. You're right. The graphics... The sharpness, the smoothness, it just was incredible, man. Yeah. Uh, Dill? I think it's good. But you know what? I hadn't really prepared for this podcast, so what I've done is in the background of us podcasting, I've just put on a virtual racing 
playthrough just so I can just refresh my mind. Ah, there you Good. Go. I'm sure that'll help everyone to concentrate on the actual episode, podcast. Yes, we than... can do it. Oh, look, I mean, it's a walkthrough for the Switch version. It's on Nintendo Switch, people. <laughs> yes, we were going to get onto that toward the end. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is why we tangent. Anyway, there were a lot of 3D racing games before, but the funny thing about virtual racing is that, I mean, not with funny, but the interesting thing is that it kind of upgrades everything. Like the speedometer and the position gauge on the left-hand side of the screen is huge. And one thing I think is really cool is the racetrack illustration on the right, which shows like the shape of the track and where you are on it. It actually turns around as you turn each corner. That is that is cool, actually. Yeah, It's just rad. Uh, Man, the graphics, yowza. Like, uh, let's talk about the view change, first of all. Four viewpoints available from different, like, views from up mm-hmm. in the sky to, like, a first person in the cockpit. I love that bird's eye view kind of thing you get, so you can kind of see it from, like, top down, like, like, like we've seen on our telly now. <laughs> like, you can really see everything. And it's just, oh, it's gorgeous, isn't it? It yeah, is gorgeous. I mean, like, most people kind of chose the second or third views, one of the middle ones. You're looking at, I think, the third view. Uh, whereas, like, I don't think many people kind of, you, if you're an expert, you kind of choose the cockpit one. But it was really hard to actually see what was coming up, and you could kind of do the, uh, like the helicopter view, but you, it was kind of difficult to really, I guess, the helicopter, get a I quite like the helicopter the view because it reminded me of these old kind of 10p arcade games. Because again, because I didn't have much money left after playing the good ones, I went back to the ones from the eighties that were quite zoomed out, weren't they? So we're like, um, you, they, they let's sit in cabs as well, which I thought was pretty amazing. Stick in a ten p, but you are miles away from the car, but you can kind of see what you're doing a bit better. So because I can't, I can't play racing games in the cockpit mode. I just, I don't, I, don't, I, actually, I drive a car, believe it or not. But I can't, I can't actually play a racing game unless I see the car. So yeah, if a virtual racing, either that view or the one where you can actually see the car and it looks all nice and you can see all the polygonal, the polygonal tires going round and round. I have to say out of the four, I think I like the second view, the one that wasn't quite in the cockpit, but just behind the car. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you get the action, but you can kind of still get a good idea of what's coming and you still kind of can see enough of it. How about your age? I actually, what well, the, the view, I, I think the zoomed out one's probably the best. It reminds me of like micro machines, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of zoomed out. Yeah, way. you like the zoomed out view. I mean, that was it was quite weird for. A, I mean, because you know, virtual racing. It did. There were some other games that caught up with it pretty quickly afterwards, but they didn't really have that kind of zoomy out, zoomy out camera, though, did they? Mm. So well, when I pick when I played the thirty two X version of this the other day, you know, I zoomed out. You know, well, I'll zoom right back out. I mean, can you think of any? I mean, the I can't. But can you think of any game before this where you could change the view as you were going? We actually had no. multiple viewpoints. No, I can't remember one. Um, no, actually, that's a good question. I'm sure there must be. It was the, always from one viewpoint, wasn't it? I'm just or, trying. To, yeah, you're right. Actually, if there was an option, you had to like choose it before. I'm thinking Super Stunt Racer on the Amiga. Is that Stunt Car Racer? Is that Stunt Car Racer? <laughs> Maybe you can change I view on was, that. that was just the one view, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe. You could kind of see all like the, the chunky bits of the car, couldn't you? But that- Yeah, you can see that, yeah. Look, Rob, I just little things, looking at the game just in front of me, just little things. It is blocky. That's not a lie, lie from it. But in a way, it adds to its charm, I think. It's the colours of the trees are all different. Going over the grass, you see little, little triangle bits of grass flying out here. It's the, the skid marks on the road. There's little touches that I think this make this game not just good, but out of this world. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of looking at the Switch version, which isn't arcade perfect. It's very good, but not quite mm. 
on the same level. But you're right. Like there's just so much detail in the game. Like the flags on the side of the track flutter in the wind as you go past. Like sparks fly off the back of the car's wheels. Just yeah. mm. detail that was not there before. And you can see mountains in the distance, can't you? They just pop up like some racing games. Have, you know. Yeah, absolutely. This is not an enhanced version, is it? This is just this is a port, isn't it? Yeah, this is a port. It's uh, I know. I think there might be extra tracks on here. I'm not. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, like, but just other stuff, like, you know, in most games, you kind of, you start, you begin at the starting line, but, you know, the beginning track in this game, you start, like, um, in the pits. Yep. And, like, the goal isn't winning the race, it's being fast enough to get to each checkpoint before the timer runs down, like, you know, the kind of typical, I guess, arcade racer was. He's got a goal! (laughs) Time extension! (laughs) Time, I love that, love that. Cool. Mm. Looks like a jockey, don't they? Look like jockeys on the on the podium there. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, if you complete all three laps, you pretty much won. And I th- yeah, you're all kind of like looking at the ending sequence there, where you receive. I was going to ask what if you remember what happened, but you're literally looking straight at it. So <laughs> you, you kind of like receive champagne, a trophy on the podium, while a guy goes crazy dancing in the background, and then like you throw your cap into the sky, yes, and it just look. flies off into the distance. Oh, look at that! Would you beautiful. like to own that cap? That's pretty cool. The VR cap with the logo. <clears throat> Um, so gameplay. Oh, that's, that's why it's very clever because some 3D racing games, they look good. They don't play good. This one looks good and plays very well, isn't it? The playability. I don't have great memories of the arcade one because I was so bad at it. Mm. So I was like, grr. I mean, it was with the massive speakers on it and it was an impressive machine. Yeah. And obviously it was very impressed. You know, we were all very impressed at the time, but I was like, I'd rather play my 10P games because I get at least no. Five minutes out of those, as opposed to no minutes. Yes. But I think, like, but playing the home the home versions now through our various devices, I you know I'm I'm definitely, I'm definitely yeah because I got it recently on the thirty two X Rob. If you listen back to the episode, obviously, um, and it's probably one of the best games in that batch I got. I'm not saying it's the best thirty two X game, but out of the seven I got, it's up there. It's fluid. It plays really well. Two player. I mean, it's it, I, I've done split screen with my son recently, and it's it plays surprisingly well. I thought because sometimes when you with these kind of games, you think if you do two, you got thirty-two x power, dude. Yeah, it's yeah, it's using every single nook and cranny of it, really. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, if you kind of, I'm just kind of sticking with the arcade version for now. But um, like, it actually, like, I remember playing it, and it just, it was so good. Just, you know, people are going to rave on about the graphics because they were like a massive step forward, and the yeah. sound was great. But man, it played like a dream. I do like how the car sticks to the to the track because. With a lot of racing games, they're too kind of skiddy, and you kind of like uh, checkered flag. Like <laughs> you end up, you well, end up, you end up off the track more than on it. At least with virtual racing, and like the the tracks are nice and wide as well. That's the, these are the kind of things I think make for a good racing game. But D- Dylan, I think you were there with me. Just we went to James Miller's Stag Do a few years ago, and we did proper virtual F1 racing. Did we, were you there? Oh, we did that. Yeah, I came almost last or something. <laughs> Oh my god, we were more in the, the, the grass and the, the, the actual, um, It's too difficult, man. Too difficult. Give me some, give me something like this where the car sticks to the track and I'm, I'm out. So, well, that, well, like, that's, I was gonna say, that's the thing. Like, you look at kind of a lot of the late 80s, early 90s games, like Super Monaco, Grand Prix, Power Drifter, Rad Racer, and they all kind of played relative, fairly similarly. Like, all really ultra fast with a viewpoint close to the action. Yeah. And it just feels like the screen is constantly rushing at you. Yeah. But virtual racing is different. Like, you play it in, like, the car glides. Mm, yeah. Like, it really ha- does handle like a dream. It doesn't feel quick, even though it technically is quick. Yeah. And it's bit, I think it's, it's wider. Like, the thing with power drift is 
the actual track is quite narrow, so you end up again off off it a lot, and it's got a lot of steep, sh- like sharp corners, <laughs> which are quite hard to navigate, and also end up in like the side of the road and that. Whereas at virtual racing, okay, well, you know, the foot, the it's all coming back now. The first two tracks quite easy to stay on them, really. I think. And yeah, and I, I like that. Things like um, road rash, you're always just falling off your bike and stuff. I know it's a completely different game, but this one, you you almost continue just going, isn't it, Robin? It makes a difference. It's just all out action, all out action get to the finish line. And you've got to like to make the checkpoints. You've got to get your apexes right. You've got to get your driving lines right, otherwise you don't make it. Yeah, I think like it just it really feels like. It looks and feels like an adult game as opposed to kind it's an of adult game. It made like you know the the other stuff look like kiddie games. Yeah, yeah. cartoony graphics, just like kind of really hurried. This is just like it felt like an adult game, like something you would play in the future. Well, all the F one games that came on the PS one afterwards were modelled on this, weren't they? They were kind of they're very similar handling, hand handling. Uh, they tried to be more realistic, obviously with. We're staying on the track. Although there were arcade modes, actually. If you play arcade modes or the first couple of Formula 1s on the PS1, very similar to this. Yeah, because... In fact, I yeah. prefer just playing those on those, actually. Because most, most F1 games aren't arcade but this is... Would you agree it's a quite arcade as a... It's just the, the whole point is that it's meant to be an arcade thing, an arcade simulation. But those Formula 1 games were trying to be like Formula 1, oh, but then man. they realised that, oh, there might be guys out there that don't want to mess around with this They just actually just want to go around the track as quickly as possible you know, without getting those, having, to, <laughs> having to break every five seconds. Yeah, people, I'm not really a fan of the really realistic like F1 kind of simulator games just because they aren't really any fun. And I think they've taken that arcade mode out of them now. I haven't, I haven't bought a Formula 1 game for a long time. Maybe someone can correct me on that. But I would be very surprised if the arcade mode is still in there. I mean, you know, this. I don't think this is too controversial, but Formula 1 is actually pretty boring to watch and I don't know if it's really... Why people who aren't into it, it's not, you know, it's hard to pick up if you're not really engrossed in the championship or anything. But the and problem is there's, there's so much going on. There's almost no overtaking. Like, people there's no overtake overtaking. each other when, like, they're in the pits. Mm-hmm. So it's all about people who like the tactics. I quite like the tactics and stuff of Formula One. I could watch a whole, um, give me a couple of beers, I could watch a whole, a whole uh, Grand Prix, but otherwise, no. yeah, it's I know, quite, I know a few of our listeners like Formula One, but I, it's not my cup of tea. I just can't get into it. But, it's an acquired but, taste. But my brother-in-law yeah. loves it. It's his favourite sport. So well, who are we to say? But it is the tactics and the teams and the personalities. and well, that, I think that's where it kind of gets into it, isn't it? But that's you're just every watching sport. It, if you're just watching it just for the racing, yeah, it's going to be dull because there's no overtaking. It's, um, they, they, kind of, they kind of focus to like the, the race between fifth and sixth because the guy out in first is like 20 seconds in front of everyone. Yeah, oh no, he's gone into the pit. Oh, we'll rush around, we'll rush around. So, yeah, but yeah. every sport has some element of tactics and personality to it. Yeah. yeah. Like whether it's like an individual or a team, you know, you always associate certain teams and, and kind of sportsmen, sports people with like, you know, certain characteristics. Yeah. There are quote good people, you know, there are good people and bad people in sports. And we root for the, you know, we root for certain ones for some reason and against others for different reasons. Yeah. It's a tribal element in our blood, isn't it? We, that's, you know, you've got to vote for someone. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, going back to virtual racing, uh, you guys asked about the cabinets earlier on. Because yeah, I remember cabinets. the one in Love Croydon. Yeah, I mean, they were yeah. something else, weren't they? Well, there was more than one kind. Uh, the basic one was there was a stand-up version with a square screen, pedals, and like a stool-like seat. Oh, facing the that. screen. Nah. Uh, no, apparently it didn't really do too well. It didn't sell too many because people just wanted the more deluxe version. Yeah. 
there was a two-player version, like a wide seat that could fit two people <laughs> facing two 26-inch screens. Um, imagine Rob like uh, a real Formula One car with two seats in it turn left no one turning right <laughs> well no you, were, you had two screens and you were each controlling a car yeah can you imagine like a mutant car and uh, you could kind of play four player with like red blue yellow and green cars if you wanted you could like link the two machines together apparently you could link like four of these together but I don't remember ever seeing Ooh. one for the, just that basic version anyway each uh, kind of like each uh, kind of car in this had a little light designated the car one, two, three, four, uh, red, green, blue, yellow, and green, and would flash if um, you were in the lead. So, like, arcade owners also had the option to fit a monitor up to the top, which would broadcast like a live highlight show of the race to spectators. Wow. So, much like we were, when we were talking about uh, Dragon's Lair, like, uh, you know, a uh, while back, like, also very much structured as a spectator game. Yeah, we were just watching. We're too poor today. We were just watching people, weren't we? Yeah, I literally had to watch other people play it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you had the cockpit version, uh, otherwise known as the deluxe version. That's the one they had in Sega World. Wasn't screen it? is it's sixteen. One. Screen is proper sixteen nine widescreen. Uh, another first, the first arcade game ever to have that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're sitting in an adjustable airline-like seat that's covered with like a red hard plastic covering mm. that makes the rear look a bit like the back of a Formula One car. And uh, it had air compressors in, so you, if you crashed, you'd feel the impact in the car. Because I, like, I felt that quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, they cost $25,000 each. But would have made that back in like the first week, right? Well, it was $1 per place, so um, I'm guessing some places must have charged more, mm-hmm. presumably. Yeah. So Get a couple of hundred people a day playing on it. But, I mean, um, it's a big investment, Dylan. It's fourteen hundred. It, let's be honest, arcades. It'll pay. It'll pay back in half a year. There you go. Mm. But arcade get, machines, they lose their kind of razzmatazz relatively quickly. And Rob was saying, there's. I think actually, Dylan, you were saying there's quite a few extra games coming out soon after. That's but a dude, big investment. But man. dude, virtual racing had vir- razzmatazz coming out of its butt. <laughs> it had polygonal, it had yeah. razzmatazz coming out of its butt. Out of its thruster burners, yeah. Yeah, and but what was the ultimate version of virtual racing? It actually had a specific name. Virtual Relation Deluxe Grand Prix Grand Prix something. Shorter. I think it's just Deluxe Plus. Virtual Formula. What? Came out in 1993. Four or eight cabinets kitted out like full-size racing cars, all connected with each other, each facing 50-inch widescreen monitors. I never ever saw that in my life. Is that even a thing? There were very few of them. I believe uh, most of them were Japanese, uh, actual kind of like Sega That does sound like things... With the Jameses. Yeah, we've we got like proper Formula One cars. They, they were static on the floor, mm. but the screen, it was quite impressive. It was like real. It, it was, was like three screens. It was like three wide screens. Yeah. Wide screen screens. Well, yeah. the, these were even better because, uh, they were not on the static floor. Uh, each car cabinet was fixed like onto like a separate kind of bank that used hydraulics to rock the car side to side and up and down ah. as you race, and especially if you crash. Hydraulics, my Just friend. Whatever you do, don't flip over in the game because you know. <laughs> 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 but uh yeah, like apparently most of these were ended up being rekitted to like uh Sega's Indy Car five hundred game, which came out a while afterwards. That was big on the PC, I believe. I think uh, apparently big in the arcades too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like anyway, the arcade game obviously massively successful for Sega. Um what about the home versions? What was the first home version to come out? Uh, I think it was the Mega Drive. I think you're right. And it's the that the, the cartridge was about the size of a Double-decker sandwich. 
Yeah, the cartridge was huge, like even bigger than the average EA game. Oh, can you imagine having like a chicken sarni that big? Oh, that'd be nice. And uh, used a chip called the Sega Virtua Processor. Yeah. Do you know who uh, developed this chip? You probably did. Can you guess? Yu Suzuki. No, it was a company, not Sega. A company. Motorola. No. Oh, y- Yamaha. Can I? Yamaha. Nope. Um, They're oh. big in electronics Sanyo. right now. Uh, uh, bigger. Samson. Yes, Samsung. Samsung. Uh, it's thought to be like an answer to the Super FX processor used in the SNES. For in your face, SNES. What can you name any games that use that? Yes, yes Star- that was a big one. Star Fox Stunt Stunt Racer Stunt, Stunt Race FX. Yeah, because and Star Fox cost you more than the, the traditional SNES cartridge, and I believe it was like eighty quid or something, wasn't it? What no, was it? It was sixty, I think. But uh, yeah, but it wasn't virtual um, eighty. Uh, it was a lot, wasn't it? Virtual Racer. It was seventy pounds. Uh, don't know how well that translates to it's about a hundred quid these days, probably maybe more. Easily the um, kind of most expensive like Mega Drive game ever. Uh, like I don't know. I mean, the thing with Star Wing, what Star Fox, Star Wing, whatever you want to call it, is it sold a shed load of SNESs because it was the kind of go-to game for a while on the SNES. Do you know what the mad thing about Mega Drive Virtual Racing is that you'll still pay the same that same amount today. Is that thing about sixty, seventy quid, aren't they? On eBay, just just no, the cartridge. In business, what you're saying there is a, t- is a technical term because obviously you're saying the SNES was kind of in the decline, the, the decline stage of the product life cycle. It's called an extension strategy. You're adding value to your products by releasing a kind of add-on, and these special cartridges, like the Kinect, is one of the best examples for the Xbox 360. Well, I think it was more that like Starring was the game that was bundled with the SNES. Ah, at that point, okay, like no, obviously right. the SNES went through a thing where. You, it would come bundled with a specific game. I think we start off being Super Mario World, then it was Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Then All I stars. think. All Stars. Yeah, All Stars for a while, Street Fighter 2 Turbo for a while, and so on, so on. Um, yeah, and obviously, but Super, uh, Sega Virtual Processor, very expensive, which is why it costs £70. How many games on the Mega Drive do you think use the Sega Virtual Processor? One. Well, no, I'm going to say at least one more, because I think. It was relatively successful, so they thought, well, let's, let's try it again, and it failed after that. Uh, no, Dylan's right. This is the only game in the Mega Drive Boom. to actually use it. <laughs> See, that was a trick question, and I saw right through it. <laughs> Could you imagine putting this cartridge on the Tower of Power? How tall would your thing be? Oh, be, be it reached the ceiling. But you couldn't put it in the, the, the 32X bit, could you? You'd have to take the 32X out. Oh, couldn't you? No. It's a Mega Drive cart. Yeah, that's true. It won't fit in the, no, it wouldn't, got, would it? They got different shapes. Sega with a different. About this. You can't mash this in this hole because it's a different <laughs> shape. And it's what's like, the point? Oh. You get on the thirty-two X anyway. It's like, oh. so um, I'm get. I played this in the Mega Drive. Did you two as well? Well, I cheated. It's on the retro. It's on the retro pie I've got. So it's on the. It's on my Raspberry Pi. But um, it totally counts. I played it now, but I never played it back in the day. <laughs> yeah, but me neither. How, how on earth would I have played it back in the day? Like? Rental. It's the archetypal rental title. Oh, as if I would have been that lucky in Blockbuster. I assume the boxes but look a bit different when you open it because the, to fit in the cartridge bit. Um, By the time I got to Blockbuster... I- don't remember it looking different. Mm. I think they just had like a bigger cartridge holder. I tell you this: that by the time I got to Blockbuster, I knew, there was only California Games <laughs> and Eswap. <laughs> there was no virtual racing there, mate. Just, and I know how much you love right. California Games. The people of Croydon are taking it all. So, yeah. mm. I didn't use Hacky Sack all again. <laughs> I never rented California. I only rented it on the Master System when it, in my Master System days. But I never rented it on the Mega Drive, thankfully. Anyway, 
Sorry. Sorry, everyone who loves California California games at home. Sorry. Well, I played on the Mega Drive and, you know, it had simplified colors and backgrounds. And, you know, you kind of, there was smaller lead, there was less lead time as you kind of look forward because obviously the cart couldn't generate the graphics as quickly yeah, as draw, the arcade. Yeah, what was the draw distance like? Could you see, like, everything? Was it a bit blurry at the back? I you can't remember see, now. Yeah, you could see enough. I mean, overall, it looks amazing for a Mega Drive port, like, I mean, four Mega Drive port of an arcade game that good. And it played really well. I mean, you know, obviously it was a big step down from the arcade, but it wasn't an embarrassment, if you know what I mean. Like, it wasn't kind of... Uh, trying to think. Uh, help me out here. Uh, it wasn't a Shaq Fu. Duke 3D on I the Mega know. Drive. Duke 3D on the Mega Drive was, was terrible. There you go. Yeah. I mean, or like... I. Doom and Sna- is Doom and the SNES fair? Oh, like a SNES, oh, SNES Doom. It's not like SNES Doom, which was not great. Yeah, yeah I mean, it played really well, and you could kind of see exactly what you're looking at, even though obviously... Yeah, we're um, definitely not talking about SNES Doom. Yeah, we're definitely yeah. not talking about that. Do you think it was well-received when it came out? What, virtual racing on Mega Drive? Yeah. It must have come Yeah, out. of course it was. Whoa. People loved it. Yeah, people did love it, but it was right at the end of the Mega Drive's life, right? Uh, near the end, yeah. Um, reviews, I'd say good to very good. I looked this up. Got 92% Mega, which was renowned for being by far the strictest marker of all of them. And Mega obviously did that thing where they had the 100 best games in the Mega Drive that updated every month. Virtual Racing slid right into number four the following wow, month. Wow, they really loved it. Huh? Yep. Um, got 92% in Sega Force as well, 90% in Me Machine Sega. Like, you know, like it was well-reviewed at the time. Not ecstatic because, you know, only three tracks. But All the races on the Mega Drive would have been 2D, wouldn't they? Uh, 2D sprites. Would it? And yeah, I guess so. So I mean, you I give mean, it, you give it a proper 3D racer that yeah. plays like this. But I don't boom. think it was proper 3D. Like they, I have a feeling they may have actually fudged done it. the graphics in. No, not fudged it, but I think like just used 2D processes in a kind of similar way as the um, stuff like F. No, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was 3D. Mm. That would make sense. It yeah. really, really looked 3D to me. I mean, I, I don't know how they did it. I, you know, the the, te- mm. the technology, the technological bits are way over my head. I'm yeah. not clever enough to understand, to comprehend that. And I but. think from what I recall, the two-player version actually worked well as well. There you go. Like no slowdown. I mean, obviously I played on RetroPie, so there wouldn't have been any slowdown on I that. I mean, certainly but. more than something like F1. Mm. Or the Domark. Domark F1. Yeah. 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 Not bad game that though. Not bad game that. Like that. I think again, just too close to a straightforward uh, too, Formula yeah. One simulator for yep. me. Yep, yep, yep. Give us some arcade action. <laughs> I used to play NASCAR. Do you remember NASCAR on the PC? No. But I think I'm. I, Is that I, an EA sport? Is that an EA title? I can't NASCAR? remember now. But I used to. I used to play it, and like, you know NASCAR, you just going to big circle. <laughs> yeah. And but I thought. Do you know what I did? This is this. I reckon I almost discovered Destruction Derby before <laughs> before they made it because I think this was before Destruction Derby. I just used to like smashing my car up and watching the replays because the mo- it was so clever seeing the bits of the car just going everywhere. So it's a bit like burn. I was playing Burnout before Burnout, my friend. So you invented both of those things. Yeah, before I they this did. is fun. You can save the replays. I used to save replays of crashes. How do we get you retrospective copyright for these things? <laughs> yeah, good question. Well, I think the other feature of virtual racing was you could actually do a replay of the game back once you'd actually done it. Yeah. And um, yeah, there were not your crashes, Rob. To be fair, um, not my sure continual was... crashes, even though the car sticks to the track. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, the thing was, with most of the console versions, you couldn't really kind of change the views the way you probably could in the arcade, except for one version. We've already mentioned it so far. 
Virtual Racing Deluxe on the 32X. Because Keith, mm. Keith told me a little thing the other day. And I, was, I, I almost slapped him and said, Keith, what are you on about? Ten and nines. No one likes a liar. And he said the 32X version is apparently a better port than the Saturn version. Yep. That's, that is a known thing. <laughs> Keith, I apologize. Why did they bother doing you. that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, yeah. like, obviously Virtual Racing Deluxe compared to the Mega Drive version. Uh, smoother animation and more colors. But you also get two extra cars and two extra tracks. And uh, seven or eight times as many polygons on screen as the Mega Drive. Wow. Do you think it? Uh, how, like, how well do you think it did on the 32x? Well, as in sales 90s, wise. 90s, 90s. Oh, oh, you mean sales wise? Yeah. Well, oh no, it didn't sell a lot because it no sold one had the horribly. Bloody, no one sold, and no one had a bloody 32x. <laughs> who, who was there to buy one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, but did, it, did did the Mega Drive version outsell it? It must have done, yeah. That's I mean, a good question, oh my actually. god, that's crazy, isn't it? But the 32x, to be fair to it, is a very good pull. It's extremely fun. Oh yeah, I mean, just another kind of drop in the kind of what could have been pile for the 32x. Yeah, let's drop it in the 32x bin. But uh, yeah, going on to the next one, the Saturn, uh, not developed by Sega. No, there we, we go. No, it wasn't, was it? Do you know the company that did it? Oh, I do. <laughs> used to know this. Um, Big Ben Productions. <laughs> <laughs> Big, but I should I should have spent more time re- like researching this than preparing my own stuff. Uh, time Warner Interactive uh, uh, had even more tracks and uh, modes, like another step closer in graphics to the arcade, but still nowhere near. Uh, music and speech is obviously much better because CD quality sound, but no two player. What? Just mad. Imagine, just a big old slap in the face. Just play this by yourself on your on your Saturn because you're the only guy in town who's got a Saturn. Yeah. And don't <laughs> buy another controller. There's no point. It's one player, mate. You don't need... Yeah, just don't get one. Yeah, and then uh, there was a version on the PS2. came out in 2004 as part of the Sega Ages 2500 se- series. Uh, arcade basically port, just, right, yeah? Um, Is that just the arcade port? Must be. Yeah, it is not. Uh... Yeah, Sega Ages so. is just usually just it is just taking the ports, don't they? They're like port stuff. Do you know why it was why that series was called the twenty five hundred series? Because they are hoping to sell at least twenty five hundred units. <laughs> no, but it does have some kind of relevance uh, in general. Twenty five years since Sega twenty five hundred because that's how many units of the thirty two X they were sold. <laughs> it's called twenty. Uh, it was twenty five hundred series because. All these games were meant to retail for 2,500 yen in Japan. Ah, oh. oh, boom. 25 quid, that would have been. Yes, yeah, like, uh, a little bit. But uh, yeah, bit I guess. Yeah. I think right that... now it would be something like 22, 23 Sweet. pounds. Yeah. No, dollars. I would... Cause... Imagine that. 2,500, uh, but in the exchange rate, you've got to change it to your proper country. When I went to Japan, because I've actually been to Japan, uh, <laughs> it was about 100 yen to a pound. So, so what would the series be called then? If you and the pound it? was stronger back in them days, I think. So. Twenty-five squid series. The twenty-five squid series. Yeah. What about what about it? <laughs> I don't know. Just, yeah, mixing up exchange rates. <laughs> anyway, obviously has the best sound and movement. Very close to the arcade, even if the graphics look a bit duller. And uh, then, as you just showed, it's uh, come out on the Switch as well. Mm. Have any? Has anyone played it on the Switch? No, I haven't, but... I feel like, I feel like watching these playthroughs, I have played it on the Switch, and it looks great. <laughs> it did look, it does look very, very nice. It not quite arcade mode, but also Rob definitely man, not far off. The Switch is brilliant for, um, it's just the colours. The Switch, I don't know what it's about. It's quite a magical machine. The, the indie ports and the just playing the old classic games, it, it seems to give it another lease of life. So I like that. You know, I'm a big Switch fan. 
I think if I was going to... I'm gonna... a fan of it, but it's too bloody expensive. If they'd like... Very actually, clever. Yeah. If they actually reduce the price of the, the normal unit, I might, you know, might be tempted. I think if I was going to get a new game system, and I almost certainly will never do so, okay. but it would be the Switch. I just like the portable kind yeah. of mode to yeah. it as well. It's a good idea. I don't like having to use the Joy-Cons by themselves. That no. That is not something that I... The Pro like. controller is very good, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, also, just never been a fan of the PlayStation controllers. Yeah. Uh, I, I clearly like it. I've had every PlayStation, <laughs> so I like it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, obviously, um, kind of moving on, we just we uh, kind of mentioned it earlier, uh, AIM 2 would kind of go on to the whole Virtuous series of mm. games. Mm. Virtual Fighter, Virtual Cop. Um, I have a feeling AIM 3 might have done as a Virtuous Soccer. Yes, Virtuous Soccer. That's a good game. I like Virtual Soccer. Yeah, it was good fun. Very arcadey as a football mm. game, wasn't it? Um, I just, is there any others? I'm just thinking the other Virtual games. Virtual mm. Tennis. Hold on. Virtual. Virtual. Yep. Well, no, I'm thinking of actual, actual, actual soccer, actual tennis. Virtual Boudoir. <laughs> that was for Japan only. I think that one. Ah. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and obviously, um, Sega in terms of racing games would kind of. Uh, kind of go on to, I guess there was, is the Model 2 chip they did for Daytona USA? I it was didn't... definitely the next one up, I forgot what they called it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know that we rehearsed this for our Daytona podcast, but yeah, it's been a long time since that. <laughs> yeah, Daytona, obviously, that was followed by Sega Rally. Mmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, Sega Rally the pre- Actually, wasn't the Sega Rally the precursor to Daytona? No, I'm pretty sure it came after. Okay. All right. Do you reckon the Virtua series could be rekindled, revitalized, maybe new genres? What do you reckon, Rob? I think graphics have now kind of just gone past that stage. I mean, the thing with like the Virtua games was that the movement looked amazing for the time, but there's no real reason to do that whole polygon thing right now. That makes sense, not when you've got kind of graphics where you can really do anything you want. It does, it has a really cool look, but it is a very retro look. It's funny you say that because Horizon Chase Turbo, that we're big fans of Mm -hmm. Arcade Attack, that Rob has played, if you look at the actual surroundings, not the cars, but it's all in like a polygonal style. They've kind of like done a little homage here and there to, I mean, they kind of mixed it. They've mixed the styles. It looks very nice though. Think about it, all the trees and stuff, all polygonal. They're just big triangles, but yeah. Polygonal. <laughs> well, how about if you had to make a new Virtua game, what would you base it on? If you had to choose a whole new genre, a whole new, like vir- Virtua Fishing, for example, what would you choose, Rob? That's a very good question. I think it would. I was th- my first kind of reaction would be RPG explorer game, but um, I think that wouldn't really work. I think it's got to be something arcadey. I think a shoot 'em up, something like uh, kind of Star Wing, but like much a, more like developed. A Star Wars type thing, and complex, like a polygonal Star Wars game. Well, there was a Star Wars sure arcade game, but I don't think that was <laughs> part of that, was it? No, that wasn't no. polygonal, was it? Well, no, there was a thirty-two X Star Wars. Ve- and there's TIE Fighter and stuff. That was really cool on the PC. Classic classic PC games like that. Hmm. But, uh, yeah. I mean, kind of to, I guess, to finish things off. Uh, the whole virtual racing, a massive step forward in gaming. Like, as you say, it really influenced everything that came after. And uh, I think what, uh, one thing we have to do is find an arcade that has a full-size virtual formula. And we've got to have an arcade attack thing. Us three and Keith. It does mean that we have to go to Japan, right? <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, 
You can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow82, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.